Happy Barbenheimer, Elaine. Happy Barbenheimer, Mark. Barbenheimered up so much that my voice is gone. So apologies to everyone who's listening. I'm going to keep going through this recording as much as I possibly can, but I can already tell from my voice that I'm a little bit like, what are we calling the North Claggy? There's a lot going on in, my, in the back of my throat, possibly picked up by being in two very full cinema screenings for Barbie and Oppenheimer. I don't think it is that because I am also suffering a little bit. But you also went to see Barbie Heimer. But in different screenings to you. So. Oh yeah, I got. I think it's that close proximity of people. I mean, it's brilliant, isn't I it? Just tell you now, it's not. Okay, okay. <laughs> but what I'm well, I'll go round the houses and say, isn't it brilliant that whatever you think of Barbie and Oppenheimer, and we'll get to that later on in the podcast. Whatever you think of those two films, isn't it brilliant that it's bought that it's brought? Get my teeth in. That it's brought more people to the cinema. Um, our local independent cinema, the Tyneside Cinema that's in uh, Newcastle City Centre. I was hanging about there the other day, not in a weird way. And I heard one of the members of staff say that it was like their most... Um, what's the word that I'm looking for? Like, you know, like the most busy sort busiest. of... Busiest. Busiest. Put really on the end Yeah, yeah, I will try. <laughs> the busiest weekend they've had since they've opened back up um since the lockdowns wow. which is brilliant it's i'm really i'm really pleased that that has brought people back to the cinema yeah i mean it's all marketing but it's marketing that's worked and i think mm. it's become been quite natural it's not been it, certain part of this has been contrived by, contrived by the studios but i think a lot of this has just been people going Barbie and Oppenheimer would be a fucking weird double bill, wouldn't it? Wouldn't it? And then the dressing up as well. I've loved seeing the people who have been in like couples or have been friendship groups and one's dressed as Barbie and one's dressed as Oppenheimer. Uh, there's been a lot of costumery. Again, when I went to the cinema to see Barbie, there was a guy who was selling the tickets and he had his pink t-shirt on and mm-hmm. um, also someone had walked up and I was just around the corner, I was like, like I say, I was listening in and he said, oh, you're here to the Oppenheimer then and he said, oh, did the hat give it away? And I could just imagine him wearing the sort of the, the big hat and everything. Yeah, just to make it clear, because I did cover this on the last episode, I did not go and do the Barb and Hammer back to back. I started, I went and saw Barbie, I had some lunch and thought, I don't think I can give Oppenheimer a clear go after that. I think you did the right thing. Yeah. Having seen the two separately that I did. And I did Oppenheimer first and then I went and saw Barbie. So we've had a bit of a, uh, well, an interesting that both of us have seen it in a, a different different way. You see it interesting. I think it's interesting. <laughs> well, only interesting because I, when we get to that point, I want and you know I'm, I don't know what you think about these films. We have not discussed this at all, so I'm in. I'm interested in it from the point of view of I wonder how that has coloured how we see those films, if it has at all. Yeah, absolutely. Should we get into it? Yeah, let's go. Are we going to touch on some TV first? Um, yeah. If you've got something, I've got one thing. I've got something that's really, really quick. But yeah, fab. Let's we'll do go. a quick round of TV, everyone, and then we'll come back for the two films of the moment. Watching television, watching television. So I'd like to start off with The Sixth Commandment, which is a four-part BBC show uh, written by Sarah Phelps, who has done a number of the uh, the Agatha Christie's, the, the more recent Agatha 
Christie's. And Did don't... she do and then there were none? Yes, I think so. Sorry, I didn't mean to just throw that question out there before you... I'm absolutely convinced that she did. Yes, she did. She did The Witness for the Prosecution, and then there were none. Um, and then other shows she's done are like Ordeal by Innocence, ABC Murders, The Pale Horse. And she's also done um, Great Expectations and Oliver Twist. So she's done okay. a, lot of the, a lot of the classics. Um, really interesting woman on Twitter um, and now on Instagram and following her on Instagram. Not afraid to speak her mind and speaks a lot of sense as well. So I, I really like Sarah Phelps. This is a true crime drama based on the murders of Peter Farquhar and Anne Moore Martin in um, Buckinghamshire a few years ago. I remember the murders occurring i remember the story that this comes from because it was very unusual in that a student in their 20s had sort of inveigled his way i don't know if that's a real word um but essentially had 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 got himself into a position where he had entangled himself in the in the lives of these two people separately and had had romantic relationships, intimate relationships with both of them. Both of them were very much of an age. They were in sort of the, the twilight of their lives. Both very well respected, very well thought of members of the community. Peter Farquhar was very much involved in the church, but he was also someone who was celebrated as a teacher. Yeah. Um, and more Martin had a... a, a beautiful relationship with her niece who used to see her very regularly both with lovely family members around them but neither of whom had married uh, i think it's important to say as well that peter farquhar was gay but was not openly so okay. and this guy got into their into their lives pretended to be their friend and then caused the death of both of those those people and usually with true crime we talk very much about how some of it can make you feel quite icky and there's lots of books now where the true crime genre is being picked apart and being really criticized i wanted to watch this because i thought in the hands of sarah phelps i can't imagine this to be one of those you know stereotypical netflix dramas yeah where you watch a couple of episodes and you think oh i'm not sure this has done anything for the people involved and i'm sort of left feeling not very clean as it were yes with this it is the the victims and the victims' families are put front and centre. We are with them all the way through. But also the care that the, the victims are shown within this drama. And I have to say, the cast are amazing. You've got Tim Spall, you've got Anne Reid, Sheila Hancock. There's, it's, a, it's a beautiful cast. And the, the younger members of the cast are absolutely amazing as well. Annabelle Scully, I think her name is. Yes, it is. I've just checked it. Annabelle Scully plays Anne Martin's niece. And you can see just in her performance this thing of like, oh, you've got a new friend. Oh, well, that's great. It's, you're not on your own, you know. But also her thinking, hmm, I'm not quite sure about this. And why is he at the house all the time? And why is he... And, and then an argument that they have because she's questioning what's... And the pain and the devastation following her aunt's death that... 
Phelps keeps it's not just a throw away oh and then she was really upset you stay with those families you see everything through the eyes of of those those families and it it pays very little attention to the person who's committed the crime other than to watch how he managed to get his way into their lives to change the will you know those sorts of things I found this incredibly compelling and actually quite harrowing at times the the abuse that's meted out on people who you know may might be seen to be vulnerable um the idea that this could be happening all of the time particularly as someone who doesn't you just can't quite put your finger on it why then they're not something not right about them you know but because they're not doing anything wrong and seemingly they're helping someone and seemingly they are that person wants them in their life and wants to you know is doing this all of their own volition then do you, you know would you come across then as being oh well you're after their money and you're just annoyed because they've changed their way you know you can see how that would how that would work so it was absolutely actually quite harrowing to see these people's lives be turned upside down for this um, very unpleasant person. I just thought it was it was brilliant, and it's been getting rave reviews. Um, Sarah Phelps has been speaking out about how she approached the show, but also the surprise that she's had that it's that it's been taken in in this way because true crime does now have that very strange sort of reputation now, doesn't it? Yeah, yeah. And that's the question: mm. Should I be watching this? you know what i'm not sure it's for you i'm i'm not sure what you would get out of it it's not the sort of thing where there's not a mystery to unpick for example it's not an agatha christie where you're going oh who done it it's not and it's not a light thing you're essentially watching the abuse of two older people and the subsequent court case and the effect on the family. Yeah, it doesn't sound too much fun. It doesn't to be sound too much fun. It's it's yeah. not fun, um, but it's it's very well done, and I think it, it acts as a warning to people. That's what I've taken away from it. it. Acts as a warning that people can seem on the surface like they want to do good, um, also using religion as a as a tool to to get into people's lives and to have a sheen about them. Um, but under the surface, it could be doing a lot of harm. What What do you want to talk about? I want to talk about the After Party Season 2. Remind me about uh, the After Party Season 1. <laughs> yeah, so it was in the top 10 for last year. This is a... So the first season is a high school reunion. Those people meeting up for the first time. They go to the high school reunion. They go back to a classmate's house who's a big, successful musician. And he ends up falling off a balcony to his death and the after party is each episode is the policeman played by Tiffany Haddish interviewing another member of the cast and getting their version of events and the the conceit is that each different person tells the story through a different genre Mm -hmm. so one might be a high school comedy one might be a romance one might be an anime one might be like a fast and furious style action film it's like a Rashomon style thing. So 
something you see just in the background oh, on I episode like one sort of yeah. is explained in episode four but from someone else's viewpoint. So you're putting it all together yourself. Yeah. yeah. It's incredibly likeable. It's very, very fun. Um, it's produced by Lord and Miller. They said Armstrong and Miller. That's a very different <laughs> pair. very different. Uh, I think this is Christopher Miller's baby. I think Lord is just there for Vinay Money. I think he wrote one of the episodes. And But, I mean, this has got a great cast. So the first season, the cast was uh, Sam Richardson, who is a big collaborator on I Think You Should Leave. He's the one who ends up singing Who Will Be the Baby of the Year, which oh, is a song which I sang at you for ages. Ten years. Yeah. Felt like it. Zoe Chow, who is a comedic actress who I wasn't familiar with, but really, really good screen presence. Uh, but Ben Schwartz, who is in loads of different comedies. He was also in the uh, improv special, which I talked about on a previous episode. Uh, Jason Demetrio is in the first series. Um, Ilana Glazer's in it. Uh, Dave Franco plays the musician who dies in the first episode, but obviously through the flashbacks appears in all the episodes. Um, And I really, really enjoyed it. It's now back for season two. Um, I'd recommend watching the first series first because this follows on directly. This also has Sam Richardson and Zoe Chow in it, um, along with Tiffany Haddish. They are at a wedding, something happens, and they need to call in Tiffany Haddish to get to the bottom of it. And like the they've got an, another great cast. Um, so this has John Cho, Paul Walter Hauser, Ken Yong, um, Elizabeth Perkins, Jack Whitehall, randomly. Oh, really? Yeah. He's getting in a lot of stuff. Yeah, Zach Woods from The Office, and uh, I think he's in the... Ghostbusters, um, I remember him being in that. The, right. Not the last one, the, the female one, the Ghostbusters. Women, women. Okay. Yeah, yeah. But it's a really fun, it's really clever. Um, just to see how each person tells the story, like, and how they explain it's just comedic in itself. But it's on Apple TV. I don't hear many people talking about it, mm-hmm. but it's a really, really fun murder mystery. Uh, so, yeah, give it a go. It's like half an hour episodes as well, which is perfect oh, for nice. me. Yeah, yeah, always good. Yeah. Should we get to the main event? Yes, before my voice calls. Thank you. <laughs> Saturday night at the movies Who cares what picture you see When you're with your baby Last row in the balcony <laughs> So the question is, what do you do first? Do you do Barbie or do you do Oppenheimer? Let's do Oppenheimer, because I think that's quite straight. Mm -hmm. And then I would like to touch upon spoilers for Barbie, because I think Barbie was... Well, we'll get onto it. It's got got a bit more to it. Yeah, Yeah. okay. Um, So Oppenheimer, obviously, the story of Robert... Well, is it J. Robert Oppenheimer, isn't it? And they make a comment in the film that no one knows what the, the J is for. But it's there on Wikipedia if you want to look it up. If you want to look it up. I'm look it up now. I was like, ooh, what, what is that? And then I was like, oh, it's just there. It isn't a mystery at all. Funny how that line has stayed, stayed with me. And this is Christopher Nolan's return to the cinema following Tenet, a film which you were delighted to go and see, if I remember rightly. Great lover of Tenet, weren't you, darling? Oh, God, that one, that one was <laughs> I loved a... that so much and you hated it. You didn't love it. I, well, I, I liked it more than you. I liked it more than you. I got very confused by it. I didn't really understand it. But I definitely liked it more than you I know a lot did. of people liked it more than me. It's very <laughs> unlikely many people hated it more than me. I know. I, I didn't know. hate it, but it was, I, it was massively flawed. Well, this is quite a strange... 
strange one for Nolan, isn't it? Because this is essentially a biopic. I know people say, well, it's not really one, but it kind of is. It, it doesn't start with Oppenheimer's early life, but you do get flashes of sort of where, where he has come from, particularly um, his younger days at university. It's actually quite a, um, a rollicking ride through sort of where he's gone. I, I got a bit lost at one point. He's in Cambridge and he's at Gothenburg and then he's meeting other people here and he's going over there. So you see sort of like his early days as a scientist. And then the film gets into this entire premise of building the atomic bomb um oppenheimer known as the father of the of the atomic bomb and then the no pun intended fallout from from that afterwards when i went into this film that's kind of all i knew i'd seen the trailers there were a lot of ticking clocks in the trailers which is obviously one of the nolan things isn't it a thing to do with time things to do with things counting down i I really, I, I thought, oh, it's, it's, it's gonna, ha- it's gonna have Murphy in, it's gonna have a couple of these other people. I knew um, Florence Pugh was in it, I knew Emily Blunt was in it, but to be honest with you, going into it, I really wasn't quite sure what the plot was going to be or how it was going to be a Nolan film because Nolan films always have something going on with them, whether it be timey-wimey or the way that the plot develops. Yeah. There's going always in, something Going there, into Dunkirk, there? I thought the same. And mm. each way, it still managed to do that one hour, one day, one yeah. week, or whatever it was. In, it took me yeah. ages to work out that was happening as well yeah. in Dunkirk. I think purposefully, mm. yeah. Mm. It's only when you see... Is it? It might be Killian Murphy being pulled onto the boat, could, and yeah, yeah could, and you realise yeah. that he, yeah, yeah, because yeah, so Killian on. Murphy is um, a Nolan stalwart, right from you know in the um, Dark Knight films where he plays the Scarecrow. Yes, I think is it something at the back of my head that well, have I gone slightly mad with this call? That did Killian Murphy audition to play Batman at, at some point. I'm sure that's like a little factoid in the back of I'm my head. Not, I, I don't know. I've, I've never heard that, but and it, that he it ended would ring up a bell. Being yeah. the skeck, which he doesn't have a massive role, does he? But he's just sort of there. In well, the, I think he is in the first the one. The second mm. one and third one, it's less so. Yeah, he's just sort of... I was in pop, the uh, Grand Central Station or whatever it's called in Los Angeles where they oh, did his bit were. in uh, Dark Knight Rises. Yeah, yeah, I remember you showing me and I remember mm. it from... From from the film, so Gillian Murphy. Um, obviously, I knew he he would be there. He's obviously, an excellent actor. A couple of the other other names, but apart from that, that's kind of all I knew. Were you the same? Were you just trailers and a couple of people? Yeah, I mean, I didn't really pay a lot of attention to the trailers because I don't I don't go looking for things in trailers. I let them wash over me, and like if if I go back afterwards on trailers, I quite often will spot something that I was like, oh, I didn't even notice that, but. Yeah, I try not to pick them apart. So yeah, I knew who I knew who Robert Oppenheimer was. If you'd have asked me that before this film was announced, probably wouldn't. Mm, I'd say, okay, oh, it's one of them, right. it's someone from history. Okay, so you wouldn't have known about the atomic bomb. And I'd have known about the atomic about... bomb, just not known his role in right, it. Right. Okay. Um, but yeah, I went in only knowing um, really him. Emily Blunt, Florence Pugh, and Robert Downey Jr. Because mm. they feature heavily in the trailer. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And I've come away from this film feeling like I've had a proper history lesson. I don't know about you. I've read the Wikipedia page afterwards as well, as previously alluded to, because I came away thinking, wow, I just did not know the detail involved and the such detail in this film. I thought it would be much more of a 
I think because the trailers made it feel like it was going to be one of those we've got to build this bomb, we've got to build this bomb and there's like only so many minutes and there's only so many days and that's what they had that 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 time ticking down. But actually, large parts of this film are not really anything to do with the building of the bomb. Large parts of this film are men, and it is mostly men, uh, and mostly white men, sat in very small rooms, and they're not particularly well decorated, sat in quite boring small rooms. And I that I didn't sort of see coming. No. <laughs> oh dear. I might hit on something here. <laughs> Can I get into this? Yeah, go on. So, I will start off by saying I am mostly positive about this film. Mm-hmm. However, I think the first act ticks every box of little things that piss me off about Christopher Nolan's modern films. Um, I think you say, oh, I, I struggle to keep track of it. Mm. It's because it's edited within, a, it, within an inch of its fucking life. You do not let her anything time to breathe in that first act like he is he's in Cambridge then he's Mm -hmm. in like Berlin and then he's in America and you like hang on a second he meets Florence Pugh and then he's arguing with Florence Pugh and like hang on can we just find out why this is happening because two seconds ago they were all getting the kit off with each other and that was the first hour of the film and I was sat there going this is absolute shit then they build the little town, and I can't remember what the name is, so you're going to It's gonna Los Al- Alamos. Yes, Los Alamos, thank you. And the next hour of the film, I thought, was absolute world-class Nolan filmmaking. The The building of the town. I wish they'd gone into a little bit more in the science, because a lot of this is just... Meh. Yeah, I mean, just have a look at this. Just have a look at this. Um, this equation. Oh yeah, that looks quite bad, isn't it? Anyway, moving on. Um, and I think it's more interesting in putting marbles in bowls and actually explaining what these marbles actually mean and what what hurdles they are getting over. And I'm interested in the science, and I would like it to explain it like I'm five. What are they doing around it? Because a lot of it is just blah 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 science science science. Yep, another few marbles in a bowl. I think the the test is one of the most beautiful sequences I've seen on a screen. And I saw this in a massive screen. It wasn't IMAX, I'll say that now, but it was a big, big screen. It was digitally projected and it was beautiful. The shots of the of the of the explosion were beautiful. And there is an amazing jump scare in this where I suspect you know what I'm talking about, where it uses sound absolutely inch perfectly. Minutes after that, we get the the rally rousing moment uh, where everyone sat on the bleachers and he's announcing what has happened, and you see the horror in his eyes. And I think it's an absolutely amazing performance from Killian Murphy. And I'm looking at my watch and I'm going, "There's a fucking hour of this film left." And from there, I think the film. Something that I thought was going to be a framing um, device for the film becomes the focal point. And after that, I'm like, why should I care? Because I think everything after we leave Los Alamos seems inconsequential. And I understand the story that they're trying to tell. But it is after the Beatles have left the stage, here come the monkeys on tricycles to uh, entertain the crowd. It's like, no, no, no. Mm. I think this is a 
awfully paced film. Um, I've heard lots of people who disagree with me on that, and I am absolutely delighted for the people who thought this was as, uh, you know, I've heard five stars, I've heard one of the best films I've ever made. I've heard the best Nolan as well. For me, it is mid-level Nolan. Okay. And... Like mid level Nolan is oh, still, yeah, the, it's still yes, brilliant, it's still a yeah, comment. Yeah, yeah. I would I would probably put this um below everything that isn't Dark Knight Rises and Tenet for okay. me. Um, okay. Ooh, okay. Yeah. Interesting. It's a three star film and I think for me and I think that is a problem for <laughs> a film of this size and magnitude. And and beauty and yeah, a, yeah, a, a yeah. beautifully constructed. I think there's film. a third of it that's that's mm. absolutely stunning. But it's sandwiched between something that for me was an absolute incoherent mess and an After the Lord's Mayor's Parade. Oh, it's really interesting. I didn't find it incoherent at all. I really like being challenged. I like going to the cinema and having to keep up. I'm not so bothered about the science because I wouldn't understand it anyway. Um, I quite like the fact that it was very simplified to the marbles in the bowl because then at least I could follow it along. Um, I I really like the fast pacing. I'll come back to the Florence Pugh moment in a mo- in in a minute if you remind me to do so. Um, I like the fast pacing. I like the idea because we're we're galloping forward through time, and either we're gonna stay, you know, we're gonna stay in Cambridge for a billion years, and we're gonna stay in, but you know, we need we need to move it. We need to move it along to the um to to the atomic bomb. Um, I really like the moral. Uh, quandaries that the the film raises I, I i like the fact that we're never quite sure where he is it doesn't come down on 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 either side I and it the, leaves a i lot think of the film raises them i don't think it answers them and i don't no, think no, it I touches think upon it... them anywhere near as much as i think it could it, as i think the subject deserves uh, I, I think it's very much where well, he di- he didn't come out and say what well, you know the, there was a lot of movement a lot of ambiguity I really like the politics and I think that's where you found it hard what you're calling the framing device I totally understand where you're what you're going with that without going into spoilers um, and that part of the film I really enjoyed because I quite like um digging into you know the the 1950s the uh, it's raising issues of the communist party mccarthyism it's looking at the politics of the time which i i really enjoyed and i i like that you're following this central figure and then you're seeing how the world swirls around him so he is someone who's created this devastating device which has uh, resolved issues for a country and yet they tear him apart in a small room. Um, let's. And I think we're 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 so far apart on this. But where I think we want, we might find some coherence and some togetherness is in the treatment of the the women in the film. I, I Nolan finds it very hard to write. <laughs> this is not a surprise. This comes up every time. The Florence Pugh character. I think the. That, that relationship of Jean Talbot and Oppenheimer, you know, at one point they say Oppenheimer's a womanizer, and so we need to see that. I wish we'd sort of seen a bit more of it because if he's a womanizer, having a wife and going off with Florence Pugh does not a womanizer make. No, There's, there are suggestions that he's had relationships with other other people, um, but we we don't see that. I would have liked to have seen more of the man, um, but halfway through having sex with him, Florence Pugh gets up goes to a bookshelf that isn't her own and just gets a random book out in Sanskrit 
and gets him to read out the phrase that he is supposedly meant to have said once he creates the the atomic bomb. You know, I am death, destroyer of worlds. Oh, my hand, my hands were in my eye. <laughs> you know, and you're like, ah, um, which is difficult to do when you've got this throat of mine. I was like, that cannot have happened. It just, it can't have happened. But also, even if we're making it up for the film, like, well, there's two things. A, no way is anyone, when in the middle of having sex, just going to go, hang on a minute, love. I'm just off to the bookshelf to find your book to read me something because that's going to do it for me. But also, too, she's hardly going to get this book, the one fit and, you know, the thing that he's going to say, you know, he's meant to have said. He doesn't even say it later on. So it was probably to get him to say it then. But that doesn't make any sense. And then, you, I, like you say, you don't really get to see the road. You know, one minute they're going out, next minute she's mean to him. I think we're meant to think that she's having some sort of depressive episode, but that never really gets into her, and then we see what, what happens to her later. Um, I think Emily Blunt does a brilliant job with a with a difficult and underwritten character of Kitty Oppenheimer, which is his wife. Especially in the third act. And yes. that was the thing that worked for me in the third act. But, it, again, it was... It, it, it paled into insignificance compared to the second act, and mm. I don't think it was a... I don't think it was a finale for me. It... I think it could have been edited better mm. and edited into the story so it didn't feel like an anticlimax and I I'd, wish it I'd was. like to know a little bit more about her sort of her mental state and her 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 being. So um, Oh but honey, there was a <laughs> bottle of whiskey that fell out of her bag at one point. So yeah, well, she, she, clearly she she has a, this is, you know, um this is a real life, so we know that this happened. She was clearly an alcoholic and a long term alcoholic who had a difficult relationship with her children. But I never really got to... The, there might have been a suggestion of some sort of postnatal depression, but we never really get into that. And maybe it's because we would we would never know, so he was suggesting at it. But I I didn't get the sense of a woman who's looking for freedom away from her children. I didn't get the sense of a woman... Because tra- I've heard this. People say, oh, she's a woman trapped in a, in a different time. And I just... I did not... I did not get that. But I thought Emily Blunt did a brilliant, brilliant job um, of portraying her with what she had to to work with so I, I appreciate you picking up on the female characters there I don't think I get to know Robert Oppenheimer all that well well he's he's a he's a he's on um, screen virtually every minute and I yeah. can tell you very little about his personality at the end of it he is saying things science things mm. but and yeah he goes around with Florence Pugh um, for a bit for a bit <laughs> could have done with more um, but yeah I mean yeah I a lot of this left me cold I thoroughly respected the film I thought it was a beautiful piece of filmmaking put that on the first there I I thoroughly respected it I think this is a five star film in terms of filmmaking but halfway through and I I wasn't bored I wasn't looking at my watch by the way I got to the end of the three hours and thought this is amazing Um, and it, it has stayed with me since and I've done a lot of reading around the different people and I've gone back to it and thought about it and thought about those moral challenges as well quite a lot. But halfway through, I remember thinking to myself, oh, I wish I was watching Inception. And that's what was missing for me. I was missing that early Nolan, that, it's probably not even early really, is it? But, you know, that that playful, playful Christopher Nolan I'm missing. I think because we've had Dunkirk and interstellar and um this that 
I would say of, of, they're all cold, this film, but they're really, really cold, those films. That, they're not films that I ever want to watch again. I will never watch this again. I think Inception's quite playful. Inception is playful. That's I think it, you the know. Tom Hardy character. Yes. You know, the who, who subconscious are we in? Yeah. yeah. I, I love that in it. And that it goes at a, a, you know, goes like the clappers, doesn't it? But you're taken along with it in a ride and it's sort of, the the way that you're down a mountain this and then you I just love it and if that came on the telly whatever scene we were at I just watch it till the end because I'd be immersed in it whereas I remember thinking at the end wow I've seen a piece of piece of cinema here and I'm really glad I've seen it but I won't watch this again I went back and listened to my tenant review and I said the same thing about the editing that was there uh, that I said about the first act of this film um it almost at times felt like it was kind of a flashback montage where we're seeing scenes again and little mm. clips of it where they're just revealing stuff and it was incomplete frames and everything was rushed. I yeah, I, 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 something Nolan is doing in his mm. in the editing booth is really putting me off, and it might I fully accept that this is a personal preference. But I wish he'd stop it because I really, really want to like his films more, and it really, really alienates it's me. It's odd, from isn't it? Because I just don't film. find it a problem. In fact, it invigorates me and makes me go, "All oh, right, we're on a ride. We're on, here we go. Here we go." Uh, I, so it's obviously a, per, a very personal I, thing, isn't I, it? For yeah. me, I think it's bad filmmaking, and I think it's bad storytelling. Barbie, and now for something completely different. I'm a Barbie girl. <laughs> you are a Barbie girl. You're my Ken. Which one would you be, though? Which Ken would you be? I'd be, um, I'd be Beach Ken. Would you just be Beach yeah, Ken? Yeah, 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 mm. with the with the blonde hair. Yeah, yeah. I just want hair to be honest. Yeah. Yeah, there's some Kens that I'd like to be, but I think I think they'd be classed as spoilers. Yeah, we'll not go into them quite yet. Mm. You're like Cindy. <laughs> oh, thanks. I prefer Cindy actually. Of course you do. Never played with dolls as a kid. Again, of yeah. course. Yeah, not that, really my thing. That's the most elaine thing you've ever said. <laughs> Yeah, I, I mean, but staying on that, I'm not a Barbie person whatsoever. When I heard that was going to be a Barbie film, I probably rolled my eyes. And yet, and yet people have taken this film to their hearts. The amount of Barbies, the amount of pink I've seen around town. I went around Asda the other day and there was a family of four. Uh, Mum, two girls and a little boy. The little boy was about three and they were all wearing pink shirts and they were all going off to see Barbie. Something has happened within the mega structure of life that has meant that people have just got behind this film and it's become a thing. You know, they're, they're doing Prosecco and popcorn parties. My showing, it was so chatty. Like, it wasn't chatty to the point where it was putting me off, but it was it was chatty chatty and arms were going up in the air there's one point in the film where people start waving and it, i felt like i was at rocky horror because all the people next to me started doing this waving i was like hang on a minute have you been to see the film like 10 times and this is what we're all meant to do now is this a showing of the room that yeah i, I was just gonna say put... they're gonna throw yeah, some spoons in yeah, there I, I was like you know i'm like <laughs> you know it's me well i'm not bloody waving i'm not bloody waving I'm put my I'm gonna put my arms together like this, and my hand will not leave my. I'm just gonna fold my arms here and wait for the waving to stop. This is ridiculous. But also, there was someone else who, every time something in inverted commas comedic came on, you would think that 
name brilliant comedian had walked onto stage and given a London Palladium performance and the most funny thing of, of their life because it was like proper guffawing, like laughing, laughing, laughing. And I was like, well, it's a bit funny, but it's not that funny. Um, so something has come over the world with this this Barbie film. Yes, it's called comedy. <laughs> try, try, try appreciating it for once in your life. Well, once again, I mean, a little bit like with Oppenheimer, I had no idea what to expect. Saw the trailers, saw it was big and bold and pink, but did not know what Greta Gerwig was going to do with it. You know, famed mumblecore director Greta Gerwig. What was she going to do? The trailer has purposefully ninety percent of the trailer is the first ten minutes of this film, Mm -hmm. and I think that's that was a genius piece of um, marketing because it also helped people. My my trailer was. My showing was the first in the morning on the first day of um, end of term for some kids and there were six-year-olds flying into the cinema Mm. for this. Mm -hmm. And then the trailers came and you saw (laughs) mums being really, really awkward at some of the Joyride trailer stuff. Yeah, yeah. Well, I had a trailer for an, an independent film called Scrubbers, which was all about a little girl who's lost her mum and whose dad comes back into her life and clearly it's like a working class film and the girl gets up to lots of things that I think younger children wouldn't be encouraged to do. <laughs> There's language, you know. It, they were showing trailers that were appropriate for a 12A film because yes. this is a 12A. Yeah. This is not a U, this is not a PG. It's a feminist retelling of a, of a doll's you know, life. Yeah. I mean, I got the piss taken at me at work. Like Did when you? I was saying, "Oh yeah, I'm taking the day off because I want to see Barbie and Oppenheimer really? tomorrow." Like Barbie, I was like, "Yeah, uh-huh. like Barbie. You're gonna see Barbie." Mm. And I was like, "Yes." And like, my daughter wants to go see that, and see, I'm like, "It's, f- I'm like, it's she's it's a, five. Yeah. And I'm like, I'm not really sure that's the film you think There's is going to be. Complete lack of understanding as to what this film is. But, I mean, and again, it's hidden in the trailer. Like mm. this, on the surface, this looks like. Um, a very tongue-in-cheek... And it's only because we know Greta Gerwig, yeah. Uh, which, yeah. And I don't think, you know, the marketing indicates that this is a Barbie film rather than anything And also, more. if you hear, oh, there's a Barbie film, it, unless you were, you, you sort of read all the film magazines and this is the podcast that we did, you probably would have thought, wouldn't you? Yeah. Oh, it's a, it's a you. Maybe it's a cartoon. Mm. Maybe, you know, it's going to be this very... Um, sort of like Trolls or a Disney thing. or You know, that sort of marketing tool which I mean it still is a marketing tool to the greatest of extent do you want to go first with Barbie or do you want me to I think this is the funniest film I've seen in the cinema for years Um, I sat there with a big smile on my face everyone in the crowd was laughing I was laughing along with it like proper laugh out loud moments I think the first the first act is the Lego movie, which I am always down for. Like, I think it's that that knowing humour, that playing on the tropes that... I mean, I don't know shit about Barbie, but I enjoy... I can see that the tropes that they are using make total sense. Like, I'm not going to spoil it, but yeah. Then we go into Star Trek Four, which I'm always happy with. And then the, the film flips. Now, I think there are problems with the third act. There are characters that just disappear for a little bit and then everything's resolved and they reappear again. Um, but I 
I loved this and the absolute balls for doing the film that Greta Gerwig has done. I applaud and I, if this isn't in my top 10 of the year, this will be a this will be a miracle. I thought it was okay. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. <laughs> I thought it was okay. Um so today Casia Delgado wrote for the I newspaper um all about Barbie and the tagline for her piece was I hated Barbie. Now I didn't hate Barbie. I came out of Barbie kind of going and then later on in the day, I then remembered I'd been to see Barbie and was then more interested in the fact that I'd forgotten that I'd been to see it whilst I was still thinking about Oppenheimer. Um, I found that really intriguing. I was like, oh, God, I, I went to see that. Um, totally fell out of my head that I'd done that that day. No, she, Kazia's got r- real issues with the film and with what it's going to say and the fact that it is just marketing for Mattel and they're going to sell shitloads of Barbies off of this. But some some of the things that she has to say really resonated with me and one of the things that she had to say was that she was reticent about coming out and talking about not liking Barbie because the whole world has taken on this go Barbie, go profile and if you don't like it then you're a bad feminist or if you don't like it you're an incel you know there doesn't seem to be sort of like a middle ground of like it's all right if you Um, don't like it you are the child that met its dad um in the costa when i was queuing up to get a coffee for odian which dad said what was barbie like it's fucking feminist shit oh no see that's what i mean like i'm not that person i found the uh, wow I mean, there's some interesting feminism in there. I'm, I have a problem with the third act. But anyway, um, it, it has some lovely moments in, particularly between a daughter and a mother. It, has, it, it spins out the stuff that we know, you know, about the, the patriarchy and about how women are seen as second-class citizens. So all of these things we know, and I, I really like the way that the film spun that and, and, and turned it around. Mm. But I just didn't feel it was a film. I felt it was a series of moments. So And some are brilliant. Like the first 10 minutes, like you say, we're in Barbie land. We're looking at the dream house. I don't really know what the dream house is, but now I do. Uh, the sets are amazing. There's so much pink. The way that the characters are set up as, you know, all the different Barbies. Brilliant. You know, the 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 beach and Ken and all the Kens and like they're all having a wonderful time and I sort of went along with them but as the film went on I began to question the way that it was presenting certain feminist politics and I began to sort of I I couldn't quite put my finger on it actually because I I, I got to the time I was like I just don't know what it's saying. It almost feels like it was saying... It almost felt like that they were just reading out the things that you get on, like, the Live, Laugh, Love sort of memes about being a woman and how difficult it is to be a woman. And, you know, oh, they want us to be thin, but then when we're, we're too thin... And it's like, all of these things are true. They, you know, we want they want us to be clever, but they can't be too clever. And, and again, all of these things are, are true, but I just kind of felt like it was just packaged in a particular way and the fine you know some of the final bits around the kens i couldn't i just couldn't 
quite, it just something didn't quite sit right with me. I also felt that if we want this to be truly representative, and there's a lot of work gone into this film to include all Barbies. So you see Barbies of all sizes, you see Barbies of all colours, you see Barbies doing all different jobs, um, you see wheelchair Barbie. I would have liked to have seen those Barbies for more than a second. You know, like, oh, look, there's wheelchair Barbie. Oh, there she is for a second. Oh, we've ticked that box now. That's how I, genuinely, how I, oh, there's a Barbie that's in a bigger body. Oh, well, we've ticked that box. You know, I realised that Margot Robbie is the central character and therefore we're following her. But I sort of felt that there was a missed opportunity to maybe bring those, those other people in because the majority of the Barbies who are around her and are part of her crew look exactly like a stereotypical Barbie and not the, the diversity that we would have liked to have seen. Equally, there were people, um, most of whom were from sex education, who, say, yeah. ju- who were just there. They were just there and there was no character development. Most of the time they didn't really say anything and when they did say something, they had some, some sort of innocuous line and that was it. So I, I walked out feeling a little bit uneasy with what the film was trying to say. I felt uneasy about the tick box diversity and I kind of went, okay. I, I, I totally disagree. Mm-hmm. Um, I can understand where you're coming from. I think you have, I think your your opinion is missing the point. <laughs> um, I, th- you know, like there are, by necessity of having all these Barbies, there are going to be people who aren't on the, and at the front of this, John Cena gets a two-second cameo in this, for example, um, and he, you know, he is mentioned on the thing. I don't think it's a spoiler to say that. Um, I, I understand, I understand what you are saying, but for me, it, I feel it's more tokenism to, I, for me, I feel it's more tokenism to put them front and center in the. I, mean, I totally disagree with that. That's not to, tokenism. Is oh, here's something for you, and then off we go. If we were being truly inclusive, then her, one of her best mates would be wheelchair Barbie. If we, you know, I'm not even, and obviously I'm but picking that, that is, because is that not just tokenism of putting, of making sure that that they, that, that what did, we, that we have, person, we have a friend in a wheelchair. Person, that, but no, that's that's not what I'm saying. And all I'm saying is it, it just stood out like a sore thumb that those people were put at the back, that those people that still didn't didn't fit what we think of as a Barbie were still placed in the background and not in the foreground. But you've, I think you've got a you've got a black bar, you've got black Barbies that play a big part in this. You've got you know, um, people of all races in in the Kens yeah, yeah, as well. Yeah, uh, I, 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 I know. I understand. I know. I, and it's it's just something that has stu- stuck in my mind. I just you know, and it's it would be it's disingenuous of me not to raise it as something that I found. Mm. I think the, to be problematic. I think the danger is like the eighties trope of black best friend, mm. and I mm. think that's that that was where I that's where I would feel I'd feel more uncomfortable in that than what we got. I also just didn't find it funny, um, and that's you know how you say the editing for Oppenheimer is your thing. Yeah, this is clearly my thing. I did laugh every now and again, but as soon as Will Ferrell came on, I mean the laughs just stopped for me. I do not find him funny. <laughs> but those are the people in this that just 
the the some the best of British talent were were in this film, and they just didn't get to do anything. And I just thought that was a bit of a bit of a shame. So what did you laugh at? Um, I, I laughed at the irony. So I laughed at things where Barbie goes and assumes that women have more power than they, than yeah. they do. Yeah. Um, you know, when the wry little lines about mm. uh, women's roles in the world and how women can be everything you want to be and how every, feminism is... Fit. I like that because that, that to me is, you know, it's, it's witty. Yeah. Um, so those sorts of... I laughed at John Cena popping up. Um, you know, those things are great. But, and to be honest with you, I... I <laughs> I, I like some of the darker stuff. There's there's a little bit of darkness. Oh, absolutely, yeah. Um, in with one particular kind of Barbie. Yes. Um, and the people who reside in her home. Yes. That I really like those darker moments and maybe Barbies that we haven't seen for a while. But perhaps Mattel decided that they weren't weren't meant to be there, or, mm. or Barbie's friends, for example. Yeah, and I, I did like that. I'm not saying it's a terrible film by any stretch of the imagination. I like I say, I just came out of it going okay. Mm. And, and maybe I would have felt more... I don't know whether it's because it's been built up so much. That that was the other thing as well, that I was then looking at it from the perspective of, oh, what about this? Oh, what about that? Oh, well, um, it's meant to be very feminist. And, um, well, I'm not quite sure about the, uh, this and this. And that. You know, I wonder if I just went in overanalyzing it because so much had been built up around mm. it. But, but I do totally understand... How if you went to see that film with a great big bucket of wine, you know, in one of those bucket glasses that you get, probably pink wine, um, with a cowboy it's, hat it's on. Rosé. Yes, darling. With a with a cowboy hat on and maybe you know waving at the appropriate moment, you'd have the time of your life. I might end up doing that with my mates at some point, and that's absolutely fine. Why I am. Um, you can you can come if you want. We need a babysitter. It's true. Can I just go and you stop? Yeah, well, well I think you leg. probably have a better, get more out of it. a better idea. I'm finding it very hard to articulate what it is that just didn't quite work for me. And that's frustrating. But I just, yeah, it was fine. It was fine. It, I don't think it'll be in my top 10 of the year. But I'm happy that you really enjoyed it and that you took a lot away from it and that you found it funny. Yeah, I mean, there is one of the biggest laughs I've ever done in the cinema from this film. Okay. Um, yeah. Should we get into spoilers just so we can talk a bit more openly? Well, yeah, fine. You don't have much no, to talk I don't about here. Much to talk about. Yeah. No, no we'll, quite honestly. We'll do it briefly. But yeah, yeah, okay, right, fine. Uh, well, thank you f- if you're leaving us at this point. Um, yeah, this nice little domestic between us about these two films that we have very de- opposing <laughs> views on. I think we just swap the. Uh, yeah, just yeah, swap us round. Yeah. Um, you can find us on Twitter and Instagram, or sorry, X and Instagram. Oh no. As, it, as it's called at the time of recording. The might I bet it won't be by the time we get it yeah. out. Yeah. Uh, at the Honeymoon Pod, and you can find us wherever you get podcasts. And sorry about my horrible voice. <laughs> but yeah, we'll see you next time. What spoilers for Barbie do you want to go into? I can't think of anything that you. That, but this is my, you know, my feelings on the film. I, just I don't, don't really give a fuck about no, this film. I just, I just don't. Mm. I just don't feel as much to talk about. So I, I can tell about the funny, the the funny well, line for me. Well, you tell me the funny bit, yeah. Is and I, I'll, I'll say now, I hate it when a film goes with something and then forgets it after the first act. And I really enjoyed the um, Helen Mirren narration. And then that fil- that does just disappear. However, it comes back at the end, though. Yeah. It? yeah. However, nut nut filmmakers. Oh yeah. 
it, this this would be far uh, if you're going to make this point better don't cast more Robbie. Robbie yeah. yeah 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 fine fine no not fine in yeah, a, I'm yeah, saying okay. fine in a good way the the Kens taking over the world didn't necessarily work for me. Okay. Um, Did you not like them riding their horses? Though? I mean, it, that it, was it, 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 was, it was funny the first time, <laughs> yeah. shall I say that? And horses all over the house. Yeah. And, and each, I'm sure there's a lot of things in the background that I will find hilarious on the is. 14th watch of yeah. this. The use of the Matchbox 20 song, mm. um, the whole musical sequence of and Ken anywhere else I'd be a 10 was mm-hmm. brilliant the executives and I know that you are not a fan of Will Ferrell no. I mean I think I thought the idea of oh we had a female say uh, we had one in the 90s mm. um, I thought was a really yeah. funny trope and yeah. Mattel Making fun of itself, anyway. Whether they had any sign off around this or anything, you know. Oh yeah, I mean they did. I mean I remember someone from Mattel coming on mm. and talking on one of the film podcasts. I forget which one, otherwise yeah. I credit it, and saying, you know, we are we are very much behind this. When they came to us, when they told us what they were going to do, mm. but you know why? I mean they're just going to sell an absolute shitload of Barbies off of this, and they're going to rebrand it as you know feminist Barbie, and you can be anything that you want to be, and. Um, I think they're already throwing Barbies into schools, and they, so you know, Mattel are going to make a lot of money out of this. So, you know, sort of saying all, all uh, making a point about all male boardrooms. It's not going to change it, is it? They haven't brought any women on board, for example. You know what I mean? Like it's it's all when you're talking about tokenism. Here's some tokenism. Oh well, oh let's all laugh at the all male board and uh, executive. But what what are you actually going to do about it? Probably nothing. <laughs> Go on. Do you not think that like any look, right, we're coming from a thing that were battleships, mm. which was the most like awful representation of a film. I think it was just called Battleship as well. I don't think it was Battleships. Was it the film? Was I it? it? No, I think it was just Battleship, not plural. I don't think it's important in I the th- grand scheme well, of things. But really awful films. Mm. Yeah. And I, like I think Every Hollywood Hollywood is going to take the wrong lessons from mm. this. We will be getting they will be taking, oh, look, we can do, um, oh, what's a really shit, uh, Mopper Tops, Mopper Shop mm-hmm. or whatever. No, that's not what it's called. That's I a, that's I, a, I a ITV film. That's, a, that's an old, <laughs> yes. an old film. But yeah, I know what you mean. Like, you're not going to, well, you already do, don't you get? The Play-Doh Barbershop yeah. uh, film. And not be taking it as a, a really well-scripted, um, funny look and, yeah. With using a great filmmaker, um, yeah, love to see that Connor Swindell appear in this. I I was like, oh my god, and I didn't I didn't even recognise um Kitty Gatwa. Oh, Kitty Gatwa. Yeah, you didn't, I didn't recognise him. But he doesn't have anything to do. I think he doesn't. He doesn't. That's he doesn't. Like, he gets like one line at the end. Emma Mackey has a bit to do, mm, but she's not. A bit to, but it's all yeah, and it just sort of felt like well, if you're gonna do that with all of them together. Then make a thing out, or, or you know, I'm kind of imagining Amy Lou Wood popping up at, at one, you know, it just, I think the casting was not great on that because that's all you're thinking about, isn't it? It's like, oh, sex education, sex education, sex I education. I don't think, you know. I, don't, I, I think that that will be the 0.1%, uh, the 0.1% okay. who goes to see it who recognizes okay. that. Like I said, I thought the costuming was amazing, I thought the sets were amazing, as you know moments in time when you think oh right we're we're uh, we're 
it's not skateboarding, but rollerblading along Venice Beach. You know, he, you know, the, the way... That, I enjoyed that. Yeah, I've been to Venice I Beach recently. Did. I know, so they're in their costume there when they're in Barbie Latin. You know, all of those things, I think, and like you say, the um, the bit at the end where it turns into a musical, it just seemed to be bitty. It was like, right, here's the next bit. Right, here's the next bit. And here's the next scene that you're going to enjoy. And here's another one. Rather than being a coherent film. Mm. I didn't feel it was a film. Um... I also felt that they were really trying, and I refused to do it. Um, That's why you're really, pointing at me. Yeah, they were really trying to like pull at the heartstrings of, here's the little old lady that made Barbie, and the ghost of her is absolutely wet for me. I know you're. Yeah. I also very cried emotional. when, she was, when uh, Barbie was sat on the bench and oh, talked to the old I mean, lady. No, it just. I was like, this is so manipulative. You have no soul. It's so manipulative. It's re- you know, it's it's putting on to someone who's a real life person these sort of, oh, I'm a I'm a lovely little old lady and I named it after my daughter and like, Sorry, what's wrong with that? No, I just I just don't think these things are I think it's branding. I think the, this woman was the CEO of Mattel. And she had some very strong, fraudulent actions happening within that company. I know they make a joke about the IRS, but they do it in a sort of like, oh, oh, and I had a little bit of problem. Like, she defrauded the business and then had to leave. You know, there are the financial problems that she created for that company. You're looking for things to dislike about this film. I'm not looking for things to dislike about it. I Before I even looked her up, I just thought, oh, what I've is not this? looked her up, and I, I well, I did afterwards because I wanted to understand what the the tax invasion was. Anyway, tax invasion. A tax. I'm I'm very unwell. Do not correct me when I'm unwell. I didn't hate it. I just didn't go with it the way that other people did. And I felt it was very manipulative, particularly at the at the end, and it was trying to do this sort of faux come on women and yeah. And I'm just the wrong woman for it, clearly. I just haven't haven't found that part of my soul. Yes. Apparently. So you don't have one. <laughs> Thanks. <sighs> can we end now? Yeah, Please, so we before go? we go, like you must at least have appreciated Kate McKinnon, who I know is a big oh, fan of you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, oh, she, of is you. she? Yes, oh, yes. Amazing. Sorry. Right, you are a big fan of her. Yes. I, did, I loved um, Weird Barbie, the dark, but you know. I think Sugar Daddy Ken was an interesting one. Um, but, you know, the Barbie where the boobs grew. And all or, grown or skip, up, yes. yeah, yeah, that one. Um, the the mid, Midge, is it? Midge, Midge the friend. The friend who's yes. pregnant. Did you know that's yeah. Emerald Fennel who played yes. that? Yeah. She was pregnant at the time. Um, so I liked all of those sorts of things that definitely played into my dark, dark soul. You're right. And Michael Cera as Alan? Mm-hmm. Uh, didn't do anything for me. <laughs> Well, I'll watch. Uh, I'll watch this again. Yeah. You can watch Oppenheimer. I'm not going to watch Oppenheimer again. And in the extra hour that I've got to, uh, I'll just end up watch, finish it after an hour. Who? Finish, finish Oppenheimer what? after an hour. Uh, after two hours, and then you, it's a better film. I I disagree. But let's let's just pause. Okay. Yeah, now I can't go on anymore. I genuinely cannot talk any longer. Well, providing Elaine can speak again, we will be back soon. Um, there's not a lot coming out in the f- cinemas because there's a strike on and um, but 
We will find things to talk about. There's we that awful Poirot film where there's a ghost in it that I can't go and see. You'll go see I'm it. I'm not going to see it. I'm genuinely, I can't see it. I can't even watch the trailer. Anyway, can't speak. Must go. <laughs> You're doing a good, bloody good job of not speaking. <laughs> right, we'll see you next time. Thank you for listening. See you later. Bye.